Content warning, this podcast contains explicit discussion of queer phobia, both internalized and in general. And we are off. Hi everyone, my name is Hannah, my pronouns are they, them. This is a podcast on queer folks' favorite tunes. Welcome to Queer Sounds. This show is brought to you by all of my lovely Patreon supporters. Um, I uh, am actually subletting my room right now, so that's like a kind of backwards source of income. But if you'll want to pass some change my way, that would be cool. That's patreon.com slash queersounds. And yeah, with that introduction out of the way, ooh, 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 I want to share something fun with you. I want to share something fun with you. I, I was running some errands, and part of those errands was going to the pharmacy or drugstore or call it what you will. And I got my subscription in SSRI. Yes, yes, I'm finally getting some fucking medicine, and it's been a long time coming. Why didn't I get that when I was 16 when I also needed some? Who knows? Because I was a dickhead of a teenager and was being stubborn. I'm not entirely sure, but I've picked up some medicine today and I am feeling great about it. Obviously, I didn't take any yet, but, you know, uh, I'm, 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 I'm excited to have this change in my life. Um, I'm not entirely sure what you're supposed to do with that information. I'm just hoping that you're happy for me. So yeah, that out of the way. Hi, Victoria. Welcome. Thank you for coming on. Hi. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm doing actually fine. Congratulations on getting medication. I myself have been off medication two weeks, and I'm doing fine. <laughs> Ooh, right on. Um, how how was it for you, now that we're on the conversation of medication anyway? <laughs> well, it was a pretty harsh journey. I've, I've been on antidep- antidepressants for about uh, three years uh, it was up and on all the time it was it kind of helped but at the same time my mind felt foggy and now that I'm off it I see that I am a bit more creative and that is cool <laughs> all right I'm, uh, I'm eager to find out what what medication will have in store for me um you just like uh, just like Kathy on a previous episode. You've been you're a volunteer for uh, Active Rainbow in um, Riga. What is yeah. it that you do there? Uh, well, uh, I started as a volunteer there for a, spe- a specific project. It was called Inspire Action, and uh, I was a participant in that project. We held uh, several uh, camps uh, where we talked about. Uh, different topics regarding LGBTQ uh, stuff and uh, uh, at that time I was uh, preparing information for those camps, uh, leading some workshops, uh, also sharing my own experience. Yeah, and uh, now I haven't been that active because I've started a new job, but I think I will get back into working more there sometime soon. All right. What... um do you do you get any specific like sense of self fulfillment just through the act of volunteering? Uh, yeah, I have found that uh, it helps me a lot with my confidence, uh, knowing that I can create, uh, for example, those workshops and can hold space for other people uh, for their safe expression, for example. And uh, I also have f- f- found that. Um, it gives me the sense of belonging and community uh, because I, uh, before joining Active Rainbow, I didn't know a lot of queer people around me. Do you have any specific hopes and dreams regarding stuff you might want to achieve either for yourself or through Active or for Active Rainbow? Uh, I think uh, I would like to work a little bit on the topic of LGBTQ history in Latvia and maybe uh, um, have some event about that, but it's a pretty a pretty hard topic to get grasp on. So for now, it's just like an idea. All right, cool. How about we get some, uh, get some music going? Uh, the first track of the day, Fear of the Dark by Iron Maiden. 
a dark road at night are strolling through the park When the light begins to change I sometimes feel a little strange A little anxious when it's dark Fear of the dark Fear of the dark a constant fear that something's always near Fear of the dark Fear of the dark I have a phobia that someone's always there Well then, uh, Iron Maiden, Fear of the Dark, off of the eponymous album in 1992, the um, last album with Bruce uh, until his return in 2000. Um, I can still remember um, having my getting my first guitar when I was like 16 and very poorly trying to play along to this. The intro riff is going fine, but I still can't. It's been it's been a very long time and I still can't solo for shit. Um but hey, why did you why did you select this this track for today? Mostly because Iron Maiden uh, is uh, uh has stayed in my memory as something my father listened to and uh he was uh, kind of really obsessed with uh, alternative uh, music in the 80s uh, when uh, in Soviet Union it was really hard to get uh, uh, music records from the West. Um, and he had this huge collection of tapes, uh, illegal tapes in uh, his house. Uh, so as a kid, uh, he put on these tapes and there was a lot of... Um, rock music from the 70s, 80s and 90s and yeah that's where I first heard it and also Iron Maiden was uh, uh, very was one of my favorites actually <laughs> because uh, I remember that uh, my dad uh, had a CD that we he played in car when we were driving and uh, during our family trips Iron Maiden was what I asked to put on a lot. <laughs> uh, I'm loving that you're that you're sharing this um, I remember asking my parents to go see Iron Maiden live, and they were like, but look at these images, not in our good Christian household, how dare you? And I'm like, but mom, there's nothing There's nothing weird and creepy about it, they're just very cool, insightful songs with, 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 <laughs> with history about lyrics. Like, see this song, Run to the Hills, that's just about, you know, Native Americans and stuff, like, there's nothing to worry about, it's so cool. Um is uh is that actually a part of why they um got popular in 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 
your general environment because you know when I'm when I'm thinking music not being a not being allowed in the Soviet Union I'm thinking okay but mm -hmm. these aren't political lyrics there is not a lot to there is not a lot to hate about this and you're just learning from history so how does that play out for you what do you think from what my dad has told me it was mostly the music that day Uh, liked uh, when they listened uh, to Western music because uh, nobody really understood English that well. <laughs> uh, so, Fair. so it was mostly the music, yeah. And uh, uh, for me, it felt a bit uh, weird that my dad listened to this kind of music because when I, when I found out about when Iron Maiden, I started looking up well videos, images, and that kind of stuff. And it was available for me, and I could see their visual representation, all of that. And I was a bit shocked because my dad was also a very Christian uh, dude, <laughs> and I was shocked that that's one of his favorite bands too. All right, yeah. I mean, we can we can make a whole bunch of arguments for how, like, the historical side of Iron Maiden is like safe to show to your Christian parents, but they still have songs called "Number of the Beast." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If you're talking about Iron Maiden being like one of the first bands you listen to, what age are we talking? Because like it's a very different story whether you are like 14 or four. Uh, no, it was definitely when I was uh, around I don't know six years old. Wow. <laughs> But um, I uh, didn't actually develop my own uh, sense of uh, like uh, the music that I liked. Uh, for much later because I mostly listened to what my dad or mom was listening to uh, so it was when I was about I don't know 14 when I started finding out more about the bands that my dad listened to what other bands are we talking then um, Led Zeppelin Black Sabbath for example yeah all right um, how big how big was the part that the Soviet Union played in this because you know um, Latvia obviously being a uh, former Soviet country. However, I'm feeling like that uh, that 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 was over and done with way before you were born. Uh, yeah, uh, six years before I was born, uh, we were uh, a country of our own. Yeah, but I think the Soviet Union played a pretty big role in this because um, my parents had to grow up there and... Um, The culture that developed had been highly influenced by Soviet Union, by Russia especially. And um, at the time that I was born, uh, well, there had been a lot of changes, but not maybe in the societal level. And from there then, did uh, introducing music to other people also work the other way around? Like you have been mentioning, like you you get a lot of music from your dad. Mm -hmm. Obviously, him being like gr having grown up in the, the Soviet era, are are you are you also introducing him to music he otherwise never would have heard because he couldn't get a hold of it during the Soviet times? Uh yeah, there was a period when I was uh, closer with my father than I am now, uh, and uh, then we spent a lot of evenings. Um, actually talking about music and I showed him some of the bands that I liked at the time. Um, I was, at that time I was into Arctic Monkeys and the drums. Um, yeah, and I showed them him uh, those um, bands and he said that he's hearing some influence of uh, what he listened to and yeah, he really liked it. And also we, were to we together went to a Black Sabbath concert in Riga. And that was a really um, cool experience because um, for me it was um, spending time with my dad and uh, uh, enjoying the music that I like. But for him it was something unbelievable, seeing a band that he only knew through tapes. Right, yeah. I am, having heard the stories and having heard the music without actually having been able to form an image of who Ozzy Osbourne might have been or still is I suppose yeah um, mm -hmm, exactly how how did um, your music taste like take shape over the years like you started with Iron Maiden which is like a dive off the deep end from there moving on to Arctic Monkeys like how what was that pathway well the pathway was actually uh, my what I call Tumblr era Uh, when I was a teenager, um, 
from around I don't know 13 14 years old I uh, spent a lot of time on Tumblr and uh, I had some Tumblr friends and uh, they um, had put on some music on their Tumblr pages and um, I remember distinctly that it was um, one of the two door cinema club songs that was put on one of my friends page and I discovered them and I was taken aback by how amazing it sounded and then I started researching on my own what's the music genre um, what are other bands that might sound like that and I really got into this uh, indie kind of music at that time and from there where are where are we now how would you describe your music taste today I spent some of my teenage years being kind of a metalhead. That was around when I was 16, 17. Then I uh, kind of rediscovered once again those bands that my dad had listened to. Um, yeah. And after that, I started exploring uh, more music genres. Uh, and I started to get into more punkish stuff. Uh, and uh, I discovered Riot Girl movement that I still very much like. Yeah, and uh, now I still listen to new music, mostly new punk, uh, yeah, some alternative bands, and uh, also the old stuff has really um, stayed there forever. I feel like you're also the type of person who would discover a lot of old music just through digging and, you know, trying to um, expand your own knowledge about music from the past. Is that is that a correct assumption? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I have discovered recently is Dire Straits. And when I discovered him, I realized that I have heard this somewhere and I had a discussion with my dad and he said that it's also in one of his records that he had. Also, they're like on like the darker spectrum of things, like with the, the, the picture you sent me to go with this episode as well. Like I'm kind of getting cliche vibes of this cold, snowy country. Of course, they're going to listen to metal. How do you, how do you <laughs> feel about that? Um, well, there's some truth maybe in that uh, statement. Uh, but um, I think in Latvia, we kind of... We want to be like uh, the northern countries a lot. Uh, we want to be associated with northern Europe. And actually, what you're telling me is uh, would be considered a compliment for others. But um, uh, I think we're more like Eastern European country, actually. It's like a very careful, ooh, you actually associate us with Scandinavian stereotypes? <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what, w- what would be a Latvian stereotype then? A uh, Latvian stereotype, uh, we like potatoes, um, we don't like Lithuanians, uh, even though we call them our brothers. Um, what else? Uh, we drink a lot of beer, uh, and sadly, we're not a very progressive country. What's a Latvian stereotype regarding the music? Um, I think there would be uh, two. Uh, one is definitely the, uh, I have no idea how it's called in English, but it's Schlager. Uh, All right. Yeah. People are familiar with Schlager. Sure. Like it, it mostly gets some German associations, but I guess if you just, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it comes from Germany, but it is really, really popular in Latvia with the older generation. And we have these big Schlager contests and that kind of stuff. But then there's this other side, which is, um. The more modern music, um, and I, I would say that indie is pretty popular at the moment. We have some big bands like Pratvatra who are playing from the '90s until now, and they're still releasing albums, and they're pretty popular here and also in uh, Russia. And uh, yeah, we have uh, this big uh, festival that's called Positivus uh, that is. Uh, usually uh, held in summers and a lot of uh, modern day bands come there and it's a really big cultural event in Latvia. I'm also interested that kind of every country seems to have their own like underground or above ground maybe even indie scene. Um, Is that stuff that you also like listen to considering you're also like in into Arctic Monkeys and Tudor Cinema stuff and stuff? Uh, 
Weirdly, no. <laughs> uh, from uh, Latvian music, I mostly like the alternative underground stuff. That's also punk uh, from the 90s. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe some Latvian folk metal. Latvian folk metal, do elaborate. Uh, it's a band called uh, Skyforger. I don't want to lie, I don't know when they started playing. But uh, they're a really big thing in the Latvian alternative scene. And uh, the way that alternative scene has developed, I think they played a big role in it. Yeah, it's mostly uh, um, metal music. And the lyrics are about uh, Latvian paganism and um, also a bit from um, um, lyrics about um, uh, our soldiers in the World War One and that kind of stuff. Ooh, I heard like one band from Ukraine the other day that was literally called 1914 and just the entire, <laughs> oh. the entire, <laughs> the entire premise of that, the entire concept of that band is just like writing as if like they're only allowed to write about the first world war okay that's interesting <laughs> it is actually like i am i've got no idea who these guys are I, I, the only thing i know is that they're from the ukraine mm -hmm. and that their band is called 1914 and they like uh, they've got this one song that's basically like written from the perspective of gavrila princip and it's mm -hmm. I mean, I was—I didn't know them, but I was blown away. It's—it's it's not usually my cup of tea, but damn, it's cool. Um, I'm sorry, but I feel like we're gonna talk a lot more about like music in history and and history and music <laughs> the other way around. So let's see where this conversation takes us. Um, for now, this conversation takes us to music inspired by. Uh, like you mentioned, Riot, Go uh, Riot Girl movement from the 90s. Second track for today is Destroy Boys, a track called Nerve. did some googling about this band um mm -hmm. lots and lots of controversy that that i stumbled across um yeah so there uh, uh, there is some uh some issues with like the uh, with with the band called swimmers and they were like defending them because apparently they've been They've they've been shitty and there's been some abuse going on. There's been some grooming going on. Yeah. And <sighs> sadly to hear I'm, that about. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how deep we would like to get into this. I mean, obviously the first thing that goes through my mind is okay. With so much controversy, should I be playing this band on this podcast at all? Mm -hmm. um, however, I saw that they were supposed to tour with against me. And mm -hmm. I do trust Mother Laura Jane Grace's judgment. So if 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 she thinks it's cool to tour with Destroy Boys, I think it's cool to play them on my podcast. But yeah, Destroy Boys, Nerve, off of the album Make Room 2018. Why did you select this track for today, Victoria? Well, mostly because it was one of the first songs I heard from them. And I was really taken away by the sound of, of uh, their music. And... Uh, at that time, there was no controversy when I found about them. And um, they really shaped um, kind of my understanding of what uh, nowadays uh, punk rock is and uh, what kind of uh, lyrics uh, punk musicians are coming up. And I really liked um, the, the things that they sung about in, in, in their songs. Do I hear a kitty in the background? Yeah, there might be a kitty in the background. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's really nervous. I don't know why. We picked him up from the street, and now he's living with us. Oh, what's his name? Luke from the Star Wars. <laughs> Adorable. Um, you uh, selected this. You selected this band for favorite queer artist. The category today. I really rarely mention the uh, the categories. Maybe I should do that more often. But yeah, <laughs> I um, I'm I'm also entertained that you mentioned Tumblr before because um, their website is in fact hosted by Tumblr, and it was. Oh, just, I didn't know that. It was a <laughs> delight to browse through that. Like it's the typical typical. Um, Tumblr vibe of anonymous asks, "Are you gay?" and <laughs> and then and them just you know reblogging that, or anonymous asks, "What's your opinion on goths?" and they're just replying with "hot." Um, <laughs> it, um, t- it, it's such a typical type of Tumblr feminism. I feel like um, with that also kind of I guess comes the entire. Um, are they or are they not cancelled because that's all just part of typical Tumblr leftist infighting. Um, mm-hmm. Annie Hoosel, um, are you also like that typical type of quote-unquote Tumblr, <laughs> Tumblr gay? How how would you describe your queer experience? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, I see a lot of similarities maybe between uh, me and the the people and destroy boys um their lead singer uh, they're non-binary and so am i i would say that my queer experience started from a young age but only in uh, maybe high school i uh, truly realized that hey i am queer and there's no denying it um, because for the longest time i was um, uh, following uh, the narrative of my parents that uh being gay is not entirely normal. And uh, uh, I was afraid of my own thoughts and of my own feelings. And it was only in high school uh, when I got into my first queer relationship uh, that I had to admit to myself that nothing about this feels wrong and nothing about this feels like sin. And then I had to start re-evaluate re- my, um, my relationship with also Christianity. After after high school, I started uh, uh, to get more interested in the LGBTQ activism, and I found out that there are a lot of people like me. Having your first queer relationship in high school—that also kind of sounds like I'm I'm not I'm not entirely sure how this relationship went down back in the day. I'm just kind of assuming that you're not in that same relationship still. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it it kind of sounds like exposure therapy in a way. Like <laughs> maybe I'm queer. Let's get into a queer relationship and find out. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Um, it was uh, with my at the time best friend, and then we, uh, yeah. Uh, so the queer relationship in high school was like you said, just trying out uh, to see if I was in fact gay, <laughs> and. Um, it was actually, well, it was a nice experience, but it was very traumatic also <laughs> because uh, I remember distinctly that um, I was going to sleep and crying in my bed uh, because I asked God to take the queerness away because I just didn't want to, you know, do bad stuff in the God's eyes. But um, yeah, it, ne- it never went away. <laughs> Is there still a lot of like internalized queer phobia going on in your everyday life? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but it's a fight that I have to fight with myself. There was actually a lot of transphobia in me, and I didn't realize it um, up until uh, the pandemic started. Because when the pandemic started, I was um, left out of the society. I had to stay home a lot spend a lot of time with myself, rethink things, and voila, I started questioning my gender identity too. How have you been trying to unlearn all of that stuff? I've been trying to fight your, your, your internalized queer phobia in that sense. Um, I'm trying to educate myself on the history and on, um, well, I'm trying to listen to a lot of life stories of queer people. I started... Uh, 
back to rainbow thing. <laughs> um, and uh, I now have a lot of queer friends. And one thing that has also helped me, weirdly enough, but it's the TikTok community. <laughs> All right, please, please elaborate. Because, um, well, I downloaded TikTok, I think, three years ago or two years ago. And it uh, instantly put me in uh, gay TikTok. <laughs> and the algorithm is strong in this one. Yeah. And um, uh, I started to see a lot of queer content. And it was amazing because uh, I never thought there were so many queers out there because you don't really see them here in Latvia. And uh, I started making my own TikToks and found people who like me. And it was really nice. <laughs> So, you know, starting out with, like, your first queer relationship as a form of realization, from there, volunteering from a, for a queer organization, and landing in, like, the gay corners of the internet, whether that's Tumblr or TikTok. I feel like exposure therapy has been, like, a pattern in that sense. Is that deliberate? Yeah, definitely, because um, I needed that. Um, and I think a lot of queer folks here in Latvia still need that. Because uh, there haven't been a lot of queer exposure in our history. And uh, uh, queer things were to be not, not talked about. And, for example, growing up, I never knew any queer people. My family didn't talk about it. We didn't know anyone. So it didn't seem like something that was real. Right, yeah. I mean, obviously, the asterisk there is you didn't knew any queer people as far as you knew. Like, maybe you did know queer people, they just weren't out or didn't dare to come out. Uh, what's what's the Latvian part in this? Like, Latvia as a country has some of the... Latvia is basically the worst country to be in within the European Union when it comes to, like, queer and trans rights. Like, some, some, expect, uh, some, some exceptions left and right, like Hungary and Poland are also not great. But, you know... When it comes to like actual legal rights, Latvia has a long way to go. How do you go about that? Well, first I have to say that uh, only in the last few years I have noticed that uh, there are discussions in the society. Maybe not so much changes in in legal systems or or that kind of stuff, but at least we're now talking about it. But um, I think the situation in Latvia has a lot to do with um, being, once again, in Soviet Union. Um, because uh, in the uh, early 20th century, when we had our independence, uh, I think we were developing as any European country. It's just uh, that the time when other countries went through their many liberation <laughs> movements and uh, that kind of stuff, uh, we were in Soviet Union and we didn't have a chance. The Soviet Union had a certain view about uh, gay people, especially male gay people. It was uh, criminalized. Um, there wasn't an opportunity to even start talking about these things. Yeah, and you also know the reason they only had feelings about cis gay men is because you know, trans people don't exist and how are women able to have sex without a penis anyway? Like, that's all just a transphobia and, and misogyny on, on, on top of homophobic legislation. I'm kind of I'm kind of interested that you're talking us through the history there. Please continue. Um, yeah. Uh, I recently had a discussion with my mom about um, gay stuff in, in her time. <laughs> uh, and uh, she was... Uh, a young uh, girl in Soviet Union. She lived in a little village in the countryside. And I asked her mom, did you ever hear about gay people? Uh, and, uh, and to my surprise, she said, yes, there was a couple that we all knew. Uh, and uh, they were living uh, next to us. And uh, nobody really paid a lot of attention to them. Uh, we just didn't talk about that stuff. Uh, she said the only thing that happened was that uh, they joked about it, kind of. Saying that, you know, that's that's a weird relationship. Ha ha ha, they're gay. Um, but, uh, yeah, no one paid much attention 
to the real gay people. It wasn't uh, until... I think the 90s when we gained our independence and early 2000s that uh, people started actually coming out and not just living in their queer unions uh, and not talking about it. But uh, it was um, the first time when we actually were able to talk about it and to show our true identity and not to hide it. Uh, At that time, uh, the situation got a bit uh, a different turn. Because when you start talking about these things, the people who don't like it will also start talk about, start talking about it. So it it kind of sounds like everything from the '90s was kind of in a in a um, upward uh, upward slope a little bit. Like queer rights were taking shape as they were in every other um, Eastern European country. Basically, how come that the situation in Latvia today is still so much worse? even compared to countries like Estonia or Lithuania? I can't actually answer to this question. I have no right answer to this question. I am very, very disappointed that it has happened this way. But I think I think it might have to do something with the Latvian temperament. Uh, we are people who like to keep to themselves. A lot of People don't form strong opinions. I I call them, uh, you know, the gray mass. Um, um, and um, then when you take that into consideration that there are a lot of people who are not willing to talk about these topics and get involved and fight for someone else's rights, then we're only left with a bunch of activists and a bunch of homophobes that are willing to speak about these matters. I'm also kind of feeling that's an answer I got from people from Estonia, though. But like it kind of from the other way around, maybe people don't care, so they don't care enough to 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 fight for rights in that sense, or they don't care enough to like bother with 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 learning what queer people are and why it's important that we've got rights. But yeah, that's you're you're absolutely correct in saying. Uh, in in pointing out whether or not you've got an answer to that because this is all speculative we are not a academic podcast how do you uh cope with internalized queer phobia like today in you know, specifically because i'm i'm guessing like when when you have to deal when you have to actively counter queer phobia both within yourself and to the outside that must have been a hell of a job. Yeah, uh, I think the hardest part is uh, when a new, when you're presented with, uh, for example, a new term or a new identity. Uh, the first reaction is, I don't understand it, <laughs> and uh, then I usually stop and um, try to think about how I feel when people say that they don't understand that there are more than two genders and that uh, there can be something that is not a man or a woman. Um, yeah, I I cultivate these emotions and I know that it's really hard for me when that happens to me, when people don't try to even understand my identity or completely deny that it exists. Yeah, and from there I just try to be you know, open-minded, and if I don't know about it, I would rather not speak about it or say my opinions. I just wait and listen to other people's stories about it and let them talk about it. Who is them in this situation? Like, you're just kind of letting the homophobe rent, and then it's like, okay, you do you. I'm just going to completely ignore ignore that uh, in one ear out the other, or am I misinterpreting that? Um. Uh, no, it's more like um, it's more like I try to educate people about the things that I know, and if, for example, I meet a person who identifies with something that I am not familiar with, I will not form an op- an, op- an opinion about that. But about the homophobes, <laughs> I I think oh, it's really hard in Latvia to even uh, have a normal discussion with people who don't necessarily know about queer stuff or are not willing to educate themselves. 
Uh, I think it has to do with the fact that pretty conservative and uh, one narrative that queer people always have to fight here is the narrative of family values. And I just can't wrap my mind around it. How can queer people harm something that is ex- that is existing outside of uh, your sexual identity? Yeah, it's like if you're going to protect family values, not why not protect values of all different types of families instead of your cis normative image of what a family should look like? Exactly, right? Yeah. How about we get back to the music? Um, we did it, folks. We did it, folks. It's 2021, and we have finally managed to get a track of Monoskin on the show. It was about to happen. I was hoping it would happen, and here we are. In nome del Padre, di Fili, Espiritu Santo. The album Teatro Dira, the volume one, released 2021. Monoskin, obviously, of course, Eurovision winner. Um, a bunch of sexy leather pants and a, a very, very gay looking bunch. Why did you select this track for the show today? Yeah, this track I selected for your favorite show right, yeah. <laughs> uh, section. <laughs> uh, and um, Well, I was uh, at a show uh, during August um, this year. I went uh, to Prague to specially see them. And I think um, I chose Monoskin and I kind of fell in love with them uh, so fast because uh, they uh, reminded me of uh, what I needed to see when I was a young queer. (laughs) Um, You know, just uh, reminding me that it's okay to be who you are even though I kind of know that but it's good to hear other people say it and uh, they also reminded me that um, it's possible to play music to play rock music and uh, I fulfilled my dream of uh, getting um, an electric guitar I would uh, commemorate them to this uh, development in my life so yeah you've got this beautiful cherry colored fender hanging behind you now inspired by Monoskin how's how's that been going (laughs) Uh, I was really surprised that it was so hard to take up your guitar uh, game up a notch um, because I can play the acoustic guitar pretty well. I can normally play any song and it's completely fine. But when it comes to, you know, the solos and that kind of stuff, it's when it gets tricky. (laughs) I feel you. Why specifically did you select um, Inobe del Padre? for today it just reminds me of uh, i don't know it sounds like angry catholic rock (laughs) some kind of um yeah um is there a deeper layer there to uh is there a deeper layer to it where with with what you just talked about like the the christian standards in in latvia it just reminded me that there is still this religion that i don't know how to feel about it (laughs) and uh, yeah some people are making songs about it and uh, i I felt amazing when i heard it for the first time when was the first time that you heard of monoskin 
Oh, it was uh, the Eurovision. Yeah, okay, but was it like during the live show? Are you the type of person who would check weeks in advance when the playlists are made? Oh, no, I, I knew about a sexy Italian band uh, that will perform <laughs> on uh, on Eurovision. So, yeah, I saw, I, I saw their song uh, even before uh, Eurovision actually uh, took place. And uh, I was... Uh, shocked by how cool the the video looked and uh, how they seemed so hard ho- hardcore yet so um, poppy i don't know yeah i mean it's funny that you mentioned their looks um like because uh, after iron maiden here we've got a second bunch of leather pants <laughs> and um from there you know I'm also thinking back of the picture that you sent along for this. Like, looks are very important when it comes, like, the way you present yourself and whether or not, like, that is necessarily um, a style connected to the music or a form of gender um, presentation. How would you describe the way you use, the way you dress to, like, put yourself out in the world? Um... Since I was a teenager, I started dressing in in a way that at the time I considered it to be kind of unisex, androgynous. And uh, I liked what people in the metalhead scene wore because everyone there wore the same clothes, boy, girl or any other kind of person. And um, I liked that men wore makeup and that they had long hair. I just... At that time, I thought it was really fighting the gender norms, but um, but now that I know more about it, I know that there are many different ways you can express yourself, and it doesn't have to always deal with your gender identity. It's just the way you like to dress. Um, yeah, but uh, now I think my style is kind of dark, a bit gothic maybe, and uh, I feel that I like to dress feminine, uh, even though I don't consider myself a woman, it's just uh, a form of expression. Yeah, yeah. The, the the reason I also ask is because you're the first one on this show whose Etsy page I found, which includes this whole bunch of like kind of medieval looking dresses and like corsets, and I mean. It's it, it. I feel like there is a deliberate style to this. Like also, like the 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 picture I think you use for like your 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 Facebook cover or something is like this medieval looking type of painting. Like, is there is is there like a sort of fascination with like medieval times or what? What am I supposed to think here? Yeah, it's medieval times are is my favorite uh, historical period, uh, mostly because of. Um, our twisted uh, perceptions of the time. Uh, I like to fight these uh, stereotypes that we have about the time. And also, I kind of like that uh, period because of um, all the mysterious things that are happening there, Uh, the way people think about the world, the way that people are more connected to the nature and... um, Kind of like that. I don't know. Medieval times just... I like the vibe of medieval times. <laughs> also, I'm really into um, uh, medieval artwork. And I actually got a tattoo of a medieval uh, rabbit. You know, in the medieval manuscripts, uh, there are these strange-looking rabbits that are... A lot of the times, they are fighting and they have axes on swords and... Uh, even though they are these little creatures uh, in medieval manuscripts, they are shown as these marvelous, <laughs> insane animals that can fight for themselves. Yeah, and and that's that idea that idea I liked, and that's why I tattooed it on myself. Yeah, it's kind of like the Monty Python, uh, like the Monty Python thing, where you get too close to the bunny and he'll he'll chop your head off. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm not. I wasn't aware that that was actually based on anything. That's so cool. Um. Uh, you also mentioned literature being like a important way to, I don't know, um, like learn about history and, and like it's an important part of your identity. Um. What what type of literature? Because that's still very broad. Are we talking medieval there as well? Yeah, from medieval times. One of my favorite books is Decameron uh, from Boccaccio. 
it's it's a great set of stories about the times um it represents the time when there was a plague going around <laughs> i actually started rereading it as the pandemic started um what else oh, yeah i like uh gothic horror stories that's what i like <laughs> could you name an example or like an anecdote of gothic horror because that sounds very specific but also sounds like it makes very sense well uh Those are the stories that are written by, uh, for example, Mary Shelley, Frankenstein, uh, um, Bram Stoker, Dracula, Edgar Allan Poe, short stories. Uh, those are the stories I'm talking about. Yeah, there's this uh, weird sense of horror in there, which wouldn't seem very scary for nowadays standards, but it's how it's how the horror genre developed and where it all started from. Yeah, and I just like um, reading these stories because a lot of the times when you're reading it, you kind of know what's about to happen because you're familiar with the classic way horror stories develop. For example, when there's a story about a weird wooden box being brought on a cruise ship and everyone's so mysterious and secretive about the box and later it just turns out that there's like a cadaver in there. <laughs> Yikes. Do you also have like horror themed music? Is that a thing that you listen to? Weirdly enough, no. The most uh, horror things that I would say I listen to <laughs> is uh, this uh, very um very mild um music that is called um well, it's basically new wave but in a bit darker sense like The Cure and uh, Bauhaus those bands it's kind of eerie music but it's not really very scary <laughs> all right fair um when it, it comes to like the last track of the day most recent discovery heat above by Greta van Fleet why did you pick that one before before we sign off for today uh well i picked it uh because it's a very recent discovery i found them a few months ago somehow they have been under my radar but i never got a chance to really dive deep and listen to them i found them also on tiktok <laughs> um and they just remind me of the good old 70s music when i um showed uh, their songs to my partner they said that oh my god is this robert plant singing it <laughs> they wish but yeah no nah, it's um How come they've stayed under your radar? It's always so fascinating. It's kind of, it's all I also realize that I'm asking about something if you don't know then you don't know. But like it's always so interesting how a band can completely blow up and yet there's still people who miss them. I bet there's people out there who still haven't heard of Monoskin. Yeah, there probably are. I don't know. It I think it's mostly because I don't seek new music. The music just comes to me. <laughs> and I, I'm not this music nerd that will uh, try to find the newest albums and that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, I mostly listen to uh, the music of the 70s, 80s and 90s. And I think that's the way that I miss them. <laughs> I mean, that also could have been a reason why you didn't miss them. But I get where you're coming from. Um <laughs> with that this has been queer sounds for today um if you like this show tell a friend um or you know tell whatever stranger on the internet it's like hey i listened to this podcast where we talk about alternative music and people in leather pants here is a link and you can do so through at queer sounds pod that's how you link to our uh, or how you, how you get to our twitter profile um on instagram and tumblr it's the same handle so queer sounds pod if you want to support the show financially you can do so through patreon.com slash queer sounds or buymeacoffee.com slash queer sounds if you don't want to become like a monthly patron but like a a, a one do a one-time donation um If you if you pay this show you if you pay for this show you get a set of queer sounds stickers. Um, if you sign on as a patron though, you also get access to the queer sounds Discord. So that's a lot of fun. There's like memes and music recommendations and all that stuff. For now though, I want to thank Vittoria for coming on the show, and I want to thank you all for listening. 